Gospel reading is taken from John chapter 2. Jesus changes water into wine. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Shall we pray for a moment as I begin? Father God, I pray now that you would speak to each one of us as we look at and explore this wonderful story of your son and how he revealed his glory and more of who he was and what he'd come to do. Speak to us by the power of your spirit. May we have ears to hear you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Wedding day disasters, they happen, don't they? Uh, Maybe you've got a story of your own to tell, and um, I'd love to hear that if you do. Please um, share that with me over coffee. But they happen, don't they? And um, I was looking at an article in The Guardian where it had written about the 13 best wedding day disasters, which is a funny way to put it, isn't it? But um, some of those are on the screen here. And uh, up there you'll see the poor people who um, they were posing for their photos on a jetty, all looked wonderful until the jetty collapsed and they all ended up in the water. You can see them there. Or the uh, bride and her father all set for their journey to the church in a wonderful horse and carriage. And that was until the horse bolted and they ended up going the wrong way up a dual carriageway. The only way that they could um, (laughs) get to safety was to throw themselves out of that carriage. And um, their wedding day was cancelled and their outfits ruined, as you can imagine. Or the reception ended up in a huge fight simply over a pork pie. The police were called, the reception was over. Or the bride, this is one close to home that we knew of when Tim used to play the organ in our local church. The bride who arrived at the church without her bouquet... 
and when it was um, pointed out to her, she was so stressed, wanted to go back for it, and ended up with a service slot that was so short that they had to cut most of it out, and she had uh, one very stressed bridegroom as well to uh, contend with. Wedding day disasters. And as we heard in our reading, it was a, a village girl's wedding that Jesus first revealed his glory and he averted a wedding day disaster and showed in the process a dazzling first glimpse of who he was and all that he was going to do. And this is a well-known passage, isn't it? And as in the style of the writer, the gospel writer John, there are two levels, as many of the stories that he has, there's two levels to it. There's the simple surface story, which is well known and it can be understood and retold. But then there's also the wealth of deeper meaning, this richness for those who have eyes to look below the surface. And it's that that I hope that we can do a little bit of together now because there's so much to discover of the character of Jesus and the way in which he chose to reveal his glory and therefore so much for us to be able to respond to and so much in the way that his glory can be revealed to us in our world today. And um, for the purposes of this morning, I have drawn out nine things, and they're not nine full points because I can see the look of panic on some of your faces. It's not the usual three, it's nine. Don't worry, your lunch will not be ruined. But I really felt as I was preparing this that Jesus was saying, just show people more of my character, just remind them of all that I am and and just show something of that so there's nine and I challenge you maybe there's a tenth so um, again just explore that story um, as ever with God's word there's so much more isn't there always okay so we're going to just touch lightly on these nine things firstly we see in this passage that Jesus responds to need his first response when we, when we hear in that passage to his mother, when she comes to tell him that the wine's run out, is to say, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And the t- commentators would say that that would mean that his time of earthly ministry, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't yet. It wasn't for at that point. And yet Jesus decides to respond compassionately to the need that's happening in that situation. And through it, his glory is revealed. He responds to the needs of those around him. And I really think this is an encouragement for each one of us to come to Jesus with our needs and our prayers and our requests. We can be shy of doing that sometimes, can't we? We maybe think that he doesn't want to hear those, but he does. And we can see the evidence here how he responds with compassion to our needs. And I wonder what needs do you see in the world around you that only Jesus can meet? And what needs do you have in your own life that you need to be encouraged to bring to Jesus today? Be encouraged by this story. Secondly then, we see that Jesus is interested in the things that matter to us. For a Jewish feast and a party, wine was an essential part And uh, without wine, the rabbis of the time would say, there is no joy. It wasn't that they got drunk, but wine was a very important part of their celebrations. This wasn't a life or death situation, 
but to run out of wine would have caused that family real embarrassment and shame. So Jesus is moved into action in this situation. It matters to him because it matters to the people that he's with. Do you believe that Jesus is interested in the things that you're interested in, the things that you spend your time thinking about or worrying about? How does that change how you approach him and involve him in your life when you just hold on to that truth that he's interested in the things that matter to you? One of the regular prayers that I've been praying recently is a simple one of asking for encouragement for somebody close to me. And I, again, almost apologetically pray this prayer because it's not a huge thing, but actually it's really quite important. It matters. And I've been bowled over with how God has answered that prayer, the details of the things, the encouragements that have been showered on that person when I've prayed. And for me, that's been a real reminder of actually that I can come to Jesus and ask for those things because he is interested in the things that matter to me and those I love. Thirdly then, this story shows us that Jesus has the power to change a situation. To run out of wine at this wedding would have been for this family a disaster. And on a practical level, as the story unfolds, you can imagine that it's all going to go wrong. But the presence of Jesus turns everything on its head. When we involve Jesus in our situations, they change. This story tells us that because he has the power to transform our circumstances and the lives of ourselves and those around us. Do we need to be reminded of that today, that Jesus has the power to change situations? What situations are we facing as individuals and as a church that need that transforming power? Let's be encouraged to come to Jesus today and to bring those things to him. The fourth thing then, fourth thing we can learn here of the character of Jesus is that the way in which he works is often unexpected. In this situation, Jesus uses the jars that were there to um, be used for the purification, the washing ceremonies that the Jews used at that time. They were used for people to wash their feet when they came in to a house because they were walking on dusty roads and they needed to wash those feet as they came in and also the guests at that wedding would have washed their hands before the start of the meal and then between every course so those that saw what Jesus did certainly would have been surprised at the way in which he did what he did it was an unusual way and for us are we ready to be surprised by Jesus are we open to him revealing his glory in our lives, in our church and in our world, in new and unexpected ways? We can be quite set, can't we? Even, you know, as Christians, we can think we understand the way God's works sometimes or just expect to see him working in certain ways. But he's always going to surprise us. And we need to have our eyes open. He longs for that. To see him at work in new and surprising ways. Let's, let that be our prayer, that we can see that. That we have the eyes to see his glory and all that he's doing. Fifth then. In this passage, Jesus always also shows us that he takes the ordinary 
and he transforms it for his purposes. And this is shown both in the water jars, like I said, and in the people involved. There is nothing special or spectacular about any, any of the characters. They couldn't have performed the miracle on their own. And yet through Jesus, they are transformed into so much more. And I wonder what ordinary things in our lives can we give to Jesus so that they may be transformed for his purposes? What ordinary things in our lives? It might be our work, our home, our hobbies, our family life. What is it that he wants you to offer to him today so that he can use it, so that he can transform it for his glory and for his purposes? Six, then, this passage also shows us that we have a saviour who can be fully trusted. In this story, we are told that Jesus' mother says to the servants when she speaks to them, do whatever he tells you. In verse 5, she says that. His mother models an attitude of faithful expectation, which we can follow in our own lives. She wouldn't have known the details of how Jesus was going to act and work, but she knew her son well enough to know that he could be fully trusted. And so she encourages the people in that situation to do the same. What is it at the moment that we need to trust Jesus with? Where do we need to get alongside others and encourage them to do the same, to trust him more, to trust him fully with whatever it is? How willing are we to do whatever Jesus tells us, even when it's costly and difficult? Seven then. Another aspect of Jesus' character which this passage illustrates is that he is abundant in his provision to us. He's generous to his people. The story tells us of the master of the banquet's surprise when he tastes the wine. He says to the bridegroom, you've saved the best until now because it would have been totally understandable to just provide something that was okay, that was mediocre, half decent, because by that point, would people even have really noticed? But Jesus never works like that. With him... There is no second best, no making do. What he provides is always more than we can expect or imagine. And I wonder whether for some of us we need to hold on to that promise this morning, that promise in our own lives of that abundance. Where do we need to hope in that, in that abundant, generous nature of Jesus, in the richness of his provision to us? And maybe it's in giving those areas of our lives or those situations that actually feel quite impoverished. Maybe we need to do that, to give those to him and to pray that we can see his abundance in them. And the Bible's just littered with examples of that, isn't it? it of, of the abundance of Jesus. At Messy Church Extra, we're going to look at the feeding of 5,000. As, as a team, when we planned that, we thought, gosh, it just strikes you every time you read that. There was so much, there was more than the people could eat. And that's the way God works. And that needs to be our prayer. We need to hold on to that in our own lives as well, that abundance and plenty. Eight, then. The eighth thing we see 
of Jesus and the way in which he works and reveals his glory from this story is that he wants to involve us. Jesus is all-powerful. He didn't need to have the help of the servants at all. He chose to involve them. He involves them in this amazing situation, and I'm sure that they were changed because of it. Jesus, the Son of God, he's more than capable to do all he needs to on his own and without us, and yet today he chooses to involve us in his work. He wants to, and that's amazing, isn't it? This is the way Jesus works, and this is the way that he's still revealing his glory in our world today, through his people. He longs to use each one of us to help reveal his glory in the world. And the question is simply, do we want to be used? How will he use us today? Let's ask him that. Finally then, we see how Jesus calls for obedience, simple obedience. In this story, we see servants doing servant stuff. They acted in willingness and obedience. They simply follow the instructions they're given. And I always wonder with this story, when did the water become wine? At what point exactly? Because those servants had to step out in obedience. They had to step out into the unknown and do what Jesus was asking of them. But they did. They acted faithfully. They played their part in that plan. They relied on Jesus to do the rest. Are we willing to be obedient to what God might be asking us to do? Are we going to be obedient to serve his purposes and plans in the ways in which he wants to reveal his glory to those around us and in our world? This theme of obedience has come up for three weeks, hasn't it? And I think that's no coincidence. I think God's trying to tell us something, that that's a message to some of us here something about stepping out and being obedient. What does it mean for us personally? Are we listening to that? What does it mean for us as a church? So there we have it. Nine aspects of the character of Jesus and the ways in which he revealed his glory at the wedding at Cana in Galilee. But more than that, the ways in which he's still revealing his glory in our lives and in our world today. Let me finish with a prayer from the Celtic Daily Prayer book. Most powerful Holy Spirit, come down upon us from heaven where the ordinary is made glorious and glory seems but ordinary. Bathe us with the brilliance of your light like dew. Amen. Thank you.